congregation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Speak about um, coming to Jesus in rest, spending time resting, dwelling in Jesus, in Scripture. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, about who are we actually reading about, who are we seeking, who are we spending time with? Because I think that's a really important part of that context. If, if we're coming to Jesus in rest, I think it's really important that we have that sense of who we actually are coming to. So I'm going to start with a quiz, because everyone loves quizzes. I've got prizes. So I'm going to put up a picture on the screen. Hands up. And you've got to guess who it is. All right, you ready? Well, that, well, that one is, yeah. <laughs> my clicker. Is my clicker working? Ah. Ah, here we go. All right, you ready? Who's that? Hands up. <laughs> Terrible class. Yeah. Jesus, good work. Have a pocket minty. All right, next picture. You ready? Oh, Jesus, that was the answer. You ready? Who's that? I'm not... No, you. <laughs> Caleb. Jesus. Jesus. Pocket Minty. Correct. <laughs> they haven't even been in there that long. Next picture. Who's ready? Marcus. Who is it? Jesus. Have a Pocket Minty. <laughs> Correct. All right. <laughs> All right, we're going to get more difficult now. Are we ready? All right, you ready? Round two. Who's this? Jesus. Good work. I should stop throwing these so hard. Jesus. Can you see the trend? All right, next one. Who's this? Jesus. Good work. Oh, that one's not a minty. That's a starburst. Lucky you. I must be getting through the minties. Who's this? Hands up. Close. It's Simpsons Jesus. <laughs> Very close. All right, final round. Are we ready? You've got a good strike rate, I've got to be honest. Who's this? Jesus. Why am I giving my kids lollies? <laughs> Correct. Who's this? Buddy Jesus, it is. Well done. Bonus point for being a smart aleck. (laughs) All right, and last, last one. Who's this? Baby Baby Jesus. There we go. (laughs) These are all images of Jesus. And I'm showing you all these because when we come to Jesus, whether it's in prayer, whether it's when we're reading scripture, this is the image so often that we see of Jesus. We see these pictures. So today I'm going to give you a little masterclass on how to identify an image of Jesus. Are we ready? Now these points, if there's one of them present, it's a 40% chance it's Jesus. Two of them present, it's a 90% chance it's Jesus. Three or more, it's nearly 100%. Are we ready? 
holding a sheep. If you see a picture of someone holding a sheep, 40% chance it's Jesus. If they are also have a halo or some other unnatural lighting, probably an image of Jesus. Arms stretch wide. How many of this? Constant, Jesus. White robe, optional red sash. Getting crucified. Do you know how many people the Romans crucified? It's like 300,000. 300,000. One day they did 6,000. It's a record. It's still never been broken. Let's hope it doesn't. (laughs) 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 Yeah, sorry. It's even too soon. It was 74 BC, but still too soon. But so many people were crucified. But can you actually think of an image of someone getting crucified who isn't Jesus? Or maybe the two blokes next to him? (laughs) That's about it. White with long brown hair and a full beard. That's Jesus. Sometimes people will make a point where he's not quite white. And that will sort of be a little bit of a like, oh, look at this, it's a not white Jesus. And most importantly, a baby that's not screaming. (laughs) Guaranteed picture of Jesus. But realistically, as we come into Christmas, that's the picture we're going to see a lot. We're going to see this little picture of a little baby, halo, white robes, the cleanest the cleanest manger you've ever seen. That's probably the only manger you've ever seen, if we're being honest. It's about the only time we talk about a manger. But these are the pictures that we get so often, whether it's through media, whether it's through movies and TV, or even when it's in the church. These are pictures of Jesus that are slathered up on... Um, what, are, what are they called? I'm having a mental blank. The windows, the, t- the stained glass windows... That's, that's the Jesus of stained glass windows, isn't it? So even inside the church, we have this image of Jesus. And don't get me wrong, some of these are really, really important. Because the humanness of Jesus is something that we need to be very careful not to forget. But I think it's something that, especially as we come up to Christmas, I think it's something that we can get caught up in a bit. And we can actually miss the divinity of Jesus and the holiness of Jesus, because we get get caught so much up into this idea of Jesus becoming a man. That concept's called incarnation. We have all these scriptures about God becoming human through Jesus. So John 1.14 says, The Word become flesh. Christ was revealed in human body, was born as a human being. He humbled himself, born under the law. So we have all these scriptures around Jesus becoming human. Super important. It's not really what I'm focusing on today, but it is super, super important. But I just wanted to preface that and say we need to not forget this when I continue to talk a little bit later on. So I'm going to ask the question today, who is Jesus? Because I think a lot of the pictures that we've just talked about show who was Jesus. And they talk about the historical figure of Jesus as a person on earth in that 35-year period in history. As I said, super, super important. But today, who is Jesus? So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Colossians 1, 15, 19. I'll give you a moment while I take a drink. 
that Christ is the, invi- the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, the thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authority in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. So this is talking about who Jesus is. Only that very first little bit, the visible image, that's talking about the historical figure of Christ on earth for that period of time. The rest is talking about, well, that is the bigger picture of who Jesus is. Like, we, we know that Jesus was born and raised again and is alive, and that's the main reason we're here today. It can be very easy to get caught up in that 35 years he was on earth, but forget that he's been alive for eternity, and he is alive for eternity. So, image of the invisible God. As I said, we looked at all those pictures earlier. Important, yes. But I'm going to show you um, another scripture um, from a revelation that John had. Now, you've got to remember John, Jesus' best friend, the man that Jesus loved. He knew Jesus so well. And after Jesus had died, resurrected, and gone up to heaven, John has this vision in Revelations. He says, when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His eyes and his hair were were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I was dead. So you've got to remember, this is someone who knew Jesus better than anyone. Someone who was intimate with Jesus. On earth, he spent so much of his time right next to Jesus. But when he saw him after he was risen, it was not the same. He's saying his eyes were like flames of fire, like looking at the sun. His voice had power. It had this emphasis to it. I think sometimes we can limit our perception of of Jesus to this human figure and forget this. And I think... I think that's big. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I, I think I struggle a little bit more with the idea of God becoming human than Jesus being divine. Is that just me? I think. Well, I get. I get that Jesus was was God. That's that's an easy bit for me. What I don't get is God um, humbling himself and like and being controlled as a human. I don't. I don't fully get that. So I find that harder to understand. So I think that's why we spend so much time focusing on that. I think it's also more tangible as well. 
So when we're in Sunday school, when we're teaching kids, it's probably a little bit easier to talk about a person. So I think, that, I think there's a bit, there, a bit there to it. But who remembers that song? Um, Jesus is my superhero. You're my star. My best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? That, that's the Sunday school, Jesus. Yeah. As, as I said, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Jesus is our best friend. But if Jesus was to walk in the door right now, we wouldn't be running up and hugging him. We'd be falling on the floor as if we were dead. Because Jesus isn't any longer in a human form. So when we come to Jesus in our time of rest, this is the Jesus we're coming to. This is the Jesus we're getting to know. We go back to Colossians. Do I have a little pointer on this? Ooh, I, don't, I can't, can't really see it. So that's visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. So did anyone actually open their Bibles and read it? Oh, one person, two people, three people, four people. Oh, come on. That'll look good. I'm impressed. I yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, did any of your versions, instead of supreme, say firstborn? I don't know why I picked a version that said supreme when I wanted to talk about firstborn. <laughs> I should have picked a version that said what I wanted to say. Firstborn over all creation. I mean, supreme, is, it's the same thing. But we, we often talk about firstborn in the Bible with uh, that historical context of um, birthright. Who remembers the, the uh, Jacob and Esau story where Jacob stole Esau's birthright? So when we talk about this, it says is supreme over all creation or is firstborn over all creation, it means that Jesus has the inheritance over all creation. It belongs to him. And that's a really important thing. But why does it belong to him? It tells us. For throughout him, or for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. So all things were created through Christ. The same bloke that was on earth in a human body, everything was created through him. And we've got to have both pictures to get the full story. Has anyone here ever made something that they're really proud of? Yeah? What did you make? Four kids, yeah. <laughs> you stole my joke. <laughs> that was coming up. That's all right. Yeah, toolboxes. Yeah, yeah, anyone else made something? Soap. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Perfect. Great example. They're all things that we can do and we can put our hand up and say, I created that. I did that. I'm super proud of that. All right? Has anyone ever looked at something that someone else has created and gone, far out, they must be clever? There's no way I could have done that. Yeah. Like you could look at a, like a beautiful piece of art and go, how did they even think of that? You could look at some intricate piece of technology and go, I don't even know where the on button is. <laughs> right? 
But someone out there was clever enough to put that all together and create that. And that's why this is important when we're talking about Jesus being the creator. I think it's Romans one twenty. I think it is. Talks about um, God being glorified through everything we do. And everything we see. And we have no excuse for not understanding God because we see creation. And creation is so evident. Marcus, have you got that feather there? Marcus picked up a feather in the, um, in the car park earlier. Can you bring it here? I saw this. I thought it was really cool. Thanks. So Marcus picked up this. I think it's from a magpie or a raven or something like that. I know, the poor bird's missing his feather. Yeah. Yeah. (coughs) But we sort of take something like this for granted, right? We see a feather on the ground. But the intricate detail that's had to go into this to make it functional, the tens of thousands of little fibres through here, the shape... I'm going to pass it around so people can have a look at it. But the actual shape of the quiver and how it's, it's tapered perfectly so air can rush over it in the right direction. It did. Um, The way that it's perfectly tapered. The weight of it. How strong it is, but how light it is. And that's one feather on a bird that has, I don't know, I'm assuming a lot. (laughs) 16,432. And each feather has its own unique shape and its own unique purpose because it's in a different position on the bird. Those little intricacies, can you imagine trying to create a feather? You couldn't. I couldn't. Even just the the structure of a bird enough to make it fly. I know I'm pretty uh, strong, But if I was to have the same muscle construction as a bird to be able to fly, my pecs would have to be five and a half feet out here and about 55 kilos worth of pure muscle. So about half of Eli's left calf. (laughs) So my pecs would be out here. Yeah. (laughs) I look like a silverback gorilla. And even then, I wouldn't have the feathers to fly. I might have the muscle to fly. But all those details put together, the Scripture says we've we've almost got no excuse for not seeing a God in that. We're about 150 million kilometres from the sun right now. It's, It's a long way. It's more than a day's hike. And we're spinning at about 1,500 kilometres. The Earth is spinning on its surface. And while that's happening, we're flying around the sun at about 100,000 kilometres an hour. And we're positioned in this perfect position in space that we get seasons, not too hot, not too cold, and we can survive and we can thrive. And yet some people have the audacity to say that that's a coincidence. 
I don't get it. We sit here, traveling, spinning 1,500 kilometers an hour, spinning while we're flying through space at 100,000 kilometers an hour, and we get car sick doing 110. <laughs> doesn't make sense. But that's the point, that all that can happen and it'd be right. Oh, what did I do? I pressed that button. Ah, I fixed it. All right, so we've got visible image. We talked about that. Before it was created and is supreme over all creation. So we know that he's supreme over all creation. He was, uh, for all things were created through him. But then comes another bit. Everything was created through him and for him. That for him is really important as well. We know that all things were created through him, but why? To glorify him. The fact that we're sitting here in this perfect little position in space, the fact that we can see all those intricate details in nature and we can see his, his creation in detail, they highlight his glory. They highlight his creativity. Just as when we look at some amazing piece of technology or some artwork or some construction that someone's made and we go, I have no idea how they did that. That person must be incredible. Same thing. How much more intricate and detailed is creation? But I think we understand that a little bit at least when it comes to the natural world. But it says here as well, the heavenly realms, all things in the heavenly realms were created through him and for him, seen and unseen. So not only was the physical world created to glorify God, but the spiritual world was created to glorify Jesus as well. And it's not just the good stuff, which I think is some of the hard stuff for us to understand. It says all things. All things. So not just the stuff that we enjoy, the difficult stuff, the evil. But why would that be the case? What makes a superhero a superhero? Defeating the villain. That's what makes a superhero great. So when we talk about this, we talk about Jesus being glorified in the unseen world because all things are made for him. Even the, the evil, even the darkness will succumb to him. It will fall to him. And even that will be used to glorify his name. And that's all the case so that in everything, he is first. Because we can get so caught up in our own little lives. We can be so busy. I think we can get focused on the historical figure of Jesus and forget who he is right now. That we forget to prioritize him. Because this is who he is right now. This is what he's doing right now. And I think when we come, we go back, we'll go back to that um, vision that John had. When we picture 
Christ like this. Does that change our perception at all? Does it go, what am I doing not worshipping him right now? So who is Jesus? Understanding the person of Jesus, the historical figure on earth as we read in the Gospels, and I carry asks you to all take time, rest and read some Gospels. I hope you're all doing it. When we're, when we're reading about that Jesus in the Gospels, for us to understand that properly, we need to understand the holiness and the supremacy of him. We need to understand who he is and that he is God and that he has all of God's power. And having that picture of Jesus from Revelations in our head, I think can help that when we go, that person humbled himself and placed himself inside of a man to take on our sin. That's what makes the person of Jesus actually important and actually special. And on the flip side, understanding the holiness and the supremacy of Jesus requires us to understand the person. Because otherwise it's just some God. But the fact that he came onto earth in man's body, took on our sin and died, that is what makes his holiness and and supremacy all that more important. That's what separates him. So we've got to understand these things hand in hand. So when we're coming up to Christmas and we're looking at little baby Jesus in a manger, the reason that that is so special is because that's the same Jesus that's sitting at the right hand with eyes like the sun, tongues made of swords, and everyone falling like they're dead in his presence. That's what makes baby Jesus so important and so special. So I want to share that as we come into Christmas, especially, because I think we, we get so caught up on Emmanuel and we get so caught up on baby Jesus, and that's special. It's nice. Don't get me wrong, baby Jesus is cute. But this holiness and supremacy of Jesus, that's the Jesus that we get to know today. We won't get to know baby Jesus. Not many people did. We get Jesus in all his glory. And the really special thing is that we get to come before Jesus and we get to form a relationship with him. So when we are coming to him in rest and when we're reading the scriptures and when we're getting to know Jesus... We're not getting to know this historical person of Jesus. We're getting to know this supernatural being who holds creation in his hands. Jesus' humanity and divinity just can't be separated. And we have to come to him with that in mind. So I, I urge you, when you're reading scripture this week, when you're reading the Gospels and you're learning about the historical figure of Jesus, to read that with the context that this is the creator. 
I want you to picture that image that John had in Revelations of Christ when you're reading about him feeding the 5,000 or when you're reading about him going for 40 days in the desert. Can you pray with me? Thank you, God, that you did send your son. And we did get that God on earth through your son. Thank you that we did get that physical presence of Jesus, that historical figure. But I pray that we don't lean on that. I pray that we don't rest on that. I pray that we rest on Christ as the creator, Christ as the supernatural, Christ in his holiness as the supreme over all creation. I pray that you reveal yourself to us in new ways. Just as John thought he knew you, he very quickly realised that he didn't. His perception of you was bound by his own understanding and I pray that you can reveal yourself to us in a way that's beyond our understanding and beyond our comprehension and beyond our understandings of natural law. When we come to you in rest and when we dwell in your presence, I pray that you reveal yourself to us. God, we just want to get you to know you more. We just want to understand who you are. And we want to do that not because of who you were on earth, but who you are and the fact that you came down to earth and took on our sin despite being supreme over all creation. You humbled yourself below that. And we just want to understand that better. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.